So if you will, this morning, turn with me where our text will be found in the 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it's in verses 12 and 13. First Corinthians 2, verses 12 and 13, and they read this way. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Let's ask the Lord's blessing upon this text. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for this time that You have set apart and sanctified for us this day, that we could be together worshiping in Thy name. And Lord, I pray that indeed, as in spirit and in truth, we pray, O Lord, that Thy Spirit would be upon us and in us, would lead us to the feet of Thy Son, we would hear His words this day, we would hear Thy word this day, Lord, that You would instruct us, Lord, that You would comfort us. Lord, that you would meet the needs in our souls, for you know they are many. You know, Lord, that thy people are troubled. You know, Lord, that we depend upon thee. Depend upon thee to let those crumbs fall from thy table to feed us. We know, Lord, in thy faithfulness, as you have proved over and over and over again, that thou art faithful to provide, that you are our Jehovah Jireh. And we ask according to that faithfulness now in this hour that thou would be pleased to bring down that man, that we may feed upon it, and it may be nourishing to our souls and glorifying unto thee. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we jump right into our text, we're going to back up a little bit to get the, the understanding that Paul is speaking of here. And, and we don't have to go far. This chapter, he, he began the chapter with talking about um, the difference between his ministry and the ministry of true preachers of the gospel, and then it kind of morphs into what believers have as well as he has. And, and we'll just begin this morning in verse 9 with this incredible statement. And if you've ever really thought about what the Holy Spirit has to say here, that he said to his servant Isaiah many years earlier, and I find that to be comforting to me that the Apostle Paul, under the power of the Holy Ghost, would quote, would quote Scripture. He would quote it from Isaiah, and that tells me, I, I know it, it ministers to me, that all the saints are that way. When we can quote Scripture, when Scripture is something the Lord brings to our mind to comfort us and to, and to nourish us, that it is something that he's done for all of his saints throughout all of time. And that's what we have this morning. Paul says, but as it is written, and that's where it's written, and it's written in Isaiah 64, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. Now that's a, an all-encompassing statement about you and I this morning, in all of man that has ever walked on the face of this earth. It says something about our inability 
And it says something about our dependency. Our dependency. Just like that song we just sang in that first verse. If the Holy Spirit is willing to draw us together that we may worship together. We, with our eyes, no matter we can read the words on the page, we could read the holy words here in front of us. We could hear them preached. We could, we could let them enter into our heart, meaning we can take them in and we can say, hey, these things are important to us. We'll make them important to us. This is what we need to do. This is what we must do. This is what we have to do. And all of those things, we as the children of God, we do. We do them. We walk in this earth, on this earth, and as we see things, and as those things are revealed, what they are, they trouble us. And we take them in. But there's something Paul says here, the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. God has prepared things. These things are things that go throughout this whole passage today. These things are the same things that are spoken of. The things that the Holy Spirit reveals. We already read our text that, that says um, in verse 12, the things that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Freely. As soon as we hear that word, we know that's grace. The grace of justification. The grace of love. The grace of faith. These are the things which God, according to our passage this morning in 9, God has prepared for them that love Him. John tells us we love Him because He first loved us. So the first thing to me, I hope it is to you, that the Holy Spirit says to me in verse 9 is that I'm totally, absolutely, totally dependent upon my Lord. My eyes can't see it. My ears can't hear it. My heart can't comprehend or conjure up truth and the things that God has prepared for me. I have that inability. I have that inability in the fall. When that fall took place, we lost all ability to communicate with God. At that moment, we needed someone to mediate. We needed someone to be an intercessor. And that someone is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, this passage this morning, verse 9 tells us of 1 Corinthians 2, it is written, and it was revealed to Isaiah many years before Paul would say, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. We can't fathom the depth of grace that God has for our souls. We can't fathom the faithfulness of the Lord. We can't fathom how good God is to overcome Every day, the things that easily beset us here in this life. It's not will He. It is He has. He has done it. He has done it all for His children. Neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for them that love Him. So Paul just establishes our dependency, His dependency upon His Lord. But God, has revealed them unto us. Who is us? When Paul speaks of us, it is the believers that, that make up the one true church from throughout all the ages. 
All of those that Christ died for. All of the sheep. All of the wheat. However way you want to say it. All of them that the Lord has died for. This is His church, His bride. God has revealed them, what is them? The things that God has prepared for them. He's revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. And and before we go to that, unto us by His Spirit. Now, I don't know if it trips you up sometimes, but the Bible speaks of the Spirit and it takes on different names. Now, we, we all know what Holy Ghost, we know Comforter, and we know, but do you know the Holy Spirit to be the Spirit of Christ? Do you know the Holy Spirit to be the Spirit of God? There's only one Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9, Paul said, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, walking after the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Those are interchangeable terms. You hear me say that a lot, the Spirit of Christ. I use that terminology a lot because the Lord God, the Father, has convinced me and has shown me in his word that he has given preeminence to his Son. And that everything comes through His Son. But the Holy Spirit is His own person. But He's reflected here as the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. And you see the perfect harmony of the Holy Spirit. Especially in that verse I just read, Romans 8 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If both be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of in 1 Peter 1.11, when Peter was speaking of the saints, the Old Testament saints, he says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. He tells us that even the Old Testament saints had the Spirit of Christ, even though the Spirit of I mean, Christ had not been incarnated. David said, Lord, don't take thy Holy Spirit from me. Same, same thing, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ. Um, which uh, signified when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. That's what they, they they were revealed in the Old Testament, the sufferings of Christ by the Holy Spirit. They were revealed in the Old Testament, the glory that should follow, the incarnation of the Son, that the Son would do everything perfectly of His Father here on earth, that He would lay down His life for His church, that he would die, that he would rise again, and he would ascend up into heaven, reigning for his church today. Those are the things which we'll see this day that Paul is saying, that's what the Holy Spirit teaches us. Now that's going to be very important when we come to our first phrase in our text today. That's what the Holy Spirit teaches us. That is. God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. There's that word again, things. Those things that God has prepared for them that love Him. Those things that are freely given to us. The Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Paul speaks over and over of this mystery of the gospel. The incarnation of Christ. 
The, what, the, the fact that the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. It is a great mystery. And if you don't believe it's a mystery, see how prevalent it is today in society. See how prevalent it is today in the people you meet out on the street or where you go or even in your own family. How prevalent, how much do we know the people around us have that spirit of Christ that are always speaking about what Christ has done? What do they know about the mystery of the gospel in his finished work? It is a mystery. It's a great mystery. We're dependent upon this, this great gift of God, his spirit, to reveal that to us. For what man knows... Well, before I go there, let me share this one with you. John 15, 26 says this. Jesus said, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, another name given the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit reveals to His children the truth that is in Christ Jesus. That only, the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. Do you notice that? He didn't say he shall testify of truth, although we know Christ to be the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, he shall testify of me. That's why I prefer the spirit of Christ. He shall testify of Christ and what Christ's finished work is, was, and how it applies to my life, how it applies to your life, how it applies to the church in every day. And then he asked this question in comparison. We're now going to compare. Now we're not, we're not looking at the Spirit of God, we're looking at the Spirit of man. What is it that lies in us? He says, but for what man knows the things of a man save the Spirit which is in him? And isn't that true? Do you ever find yourself... Um, this was this was a hard one. This is going to hit home. Uh, you ever find yourself critical of others? You know, you, you see what they're doing, and you're saying, "Look how hypocritical they are. Look, look how uh, look how covetous they're being. Look look at you know how you judge that because that lies in your bosom. That's how you know it. That's what it, what man knows the things of a man. We know sin." We know it. That's why it's easy to identify in others. We know what man's capable of because of our thoughts. We know what man's capable of because when we take that thing that we read every day in the news and we, we look at those headlines, it, filled, it comes in here. And when it comes in here, you know what that makes us? Willing partakers of it. Whatever the headline is. And when that pollutes us, that makes us judgers. It makes us, that, that thought, that sin comes into our mind and all of a sudden now in our filters, we're, I'm not saying we're capable of it, although we all know we are, without grace, we're capable of any sin that's ever mentioned in the word of God. Any sin, without grace, without the Lord keeping us, without the Lord putting a hedge about us. So those things we, we embrace, we embrace that, we know that. But that's what Paul's saying here. What man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man, which is in him. 
There's a reason we look at others and judge them. It's not because we're holy. It's not because we're righteous, even though we may think we are as we compare ourselves. No, it's because we know those sins. Our minds have partaken in those sins. Therefore, they're polluted. That's the, that's the spirit of man. Even so, the things of God knows no man. We're thrown back to our dependency. He contrasts us this morning and he says, look, this is what man is capable of knowing. He's capable of knowing what man can do. He's capable of knowing man's sins. But he's not capable of knowing me. He's not capable of learning of me. He's not capable of having my mind. That's how this, this passage is. We have the mind of Christ. Really? We have the mind of Christ? I mean, think about how many times you fell this week in unbelief and fear. Think about that a moment. And yet we have the mind of Christ? Well, we do, brethren. We do. In Christ Jesus, we have the mind of Christ. That's what, the, that's what these things are that the Holy Spirit reveals to us. His mind, His will, what He has done for us. So the things of God, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. That's it. That's an absolute. No man, none, zero, knows what God only can reveal in the soul of man. No man can reveal that to you. Because now it sets us up for our first statement in verse 12. Now we have received, and Paul starts in the negative. What we have not received, we have not received the spirit of the world. Now, what is the spirit of the world? Well, we all know the world's our enemy, right? We all know he's one of the prevalent enemies mentioned in the word of God. One of the things that helped me, and I shared this with my wife last week, this word is not only translated world, it's translated age. Now, I want you to think about that. What is the spirit of the age you live in? What is the spirit of the age that you and I live in today? Because I'm going to tell you what the spirit of Paul's age was, okay? These are the things that Paul wrote against, okay? He wrote against idolatry, sexual immorality, homosexuality, covetousness, self-exalting, man-pleasing, following man, which the next chapter deals with, worldly-mindedness, problems all in the church, the spirit of fear. He told Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Do you know that? Yeah, we can recite that scripture. God's not given us a spirit of, the spirit of fear. Well, you know, man, no man can know that unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to him. But that's the spirit of our age. Do you not? Do you not understand that when you read these things, and I'm with you, when I hear these things, do they not gender fear? Do we, do we, we even label people that way. There's certain people we know that when we see them on TV or we read something that they wrote, they're fear mongers. Those people are fear mongers. They'll say things that are so outrageous that we say, oh my gosh, and it genders fear in us. But God hadn't given that to us. So who has? The spirit of the world. The spirit of the age. I read those things that Paul wrote against. Because I hope you saw that the spirit of his age is the spirit of our age. You know, I hear that debated all the time. I, when I talk to my parents, they, 
they say this to me all the time. Oh, things have never been this bad. And then I pick up the Holy Word and I read what Paul wrote against. I read authors of the 18th century, the 17th century, the 19th century, and I read the things that were coming into their church or their believers or in their historical age, and they're much like what I have today. Much like. Because the spirit of man is the same. It's fallen, and it's horrible. I could put in many adjectives there to describe and I hope you see that. We, we have received. Now, Paul said, here's these gifts we have. Here's one we haven't received. The spirit of the world. The spirit of the age. Now, I want you to think about that as many times as you've been fearful this week. And I'll raise my hand with you. I've been fearful this week. God didn't give us that. If we only could walk around with that knowledge... If only, or we have that knowledge, if we had that power to believe it. But that power is the mind of Christ. I'm not going to tell you there's something you need to exercise to put that on or something for you to do. The whole message that Paul's speaking today is that this is what Christ has done. This is the faithfulness of God. He's given you the Spirit of God. Yes. We are polluted by the spirit of man. And we're polluted by the spirit of the world. Yes, we are. But you know what sets the child of God apart from the world? And that's my question this morning. Do, are you set apart from the world? Do you blend right in with the world? Do you have the same conversation? Because verse 13, that's what that's all about. The Holy Spirit says, these are the things we speak. These are the things we speak. That's what our examination is this morning. Do we speak those things? Are those things, the, the things that are freely given to us, the things that are not of this age, the things that are not of the world, the things that are not in the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, are those of the things that we speak? Are those of the things, but we'll, we'll, before we get to that, let's stay here a minute. Still in the same point. This is what we haven't received. And I'm thankful for that. When I read those words and the, word, the, the Holy Spirit brings it home to me, Sean, you haven't received this of your Heavenly Father. This is not what the Heavenly Father has given you. This is what your fallen nature is capable of. This is how wicked that... This, is this not salvation? Does that not magnify the depth of grace what we're saved from? We're saved from that sin. We're saved from that unbelief. We're saved from that fear. We're saved by His blood. His blood covers the multitude of all of that unbelief and all of that fear and all of that pollution of the spirit of the world. And as many times as we're duped by it or as many times as we think about it or dwell upon it. We haven't received that, no, but the Spirit which is of God is what we've received, that we might know the things, there's those things that were speak, spoken of, the things that are freely given to us of God, and that's our second major point today. They're freely given. Takes the creature right out of it. It's not something for you to reach up and grab. 
They're freely given. That's what grace is. It's unmerited favor. The grace of justification to say that one died in your place and said to the Father, these people, and insert your name there if you're a child of God, is not guilty because of my blood and my work that I did on the cross. Where's my part in that? I receive it. I receive His work. I receive what He has done for me. And I'm justified. He's the just and justifier of all of those that are in Christ. But it's not just justification. It's the grace of faith. It's what Paul said. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Yet not I. It's not me. I I I don't just conjure faith to believe and to do things. Holy things? No. I'm dependent. That's what the Holy Spirit's telling us today. We're dependent, and that's a good thing. Because He's faithful. We're not. If it was dependent upon us to do these things, we'd be in a lot of trouble, as you've proven to yourself over and over again. But this one's faithful. The Spirit of God is faithful. He convicts. He shows us. You're in the wrong way. You are the man. Confess your sins. That's another gift. The gift of repentance. The grace of repentance. Who is going to turn from the way that they're going? Nobody. Nobody turns from the way they're going unless there's a power greater than him to turn it. That's the things that are freely given to us. That's the power of God unto salvation. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. That's what we have. That's what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. It reveals to us that it's all of Him. It reveals to us that we love Him because He first loved us. He reveals to us that one stood in our place. He reveals to us that we could never do it, but one stood in our place, the Lord Jesus Christ. He reveals to us because of the filthiness that we have, because of our natural man, because of that that lives within us, we can't approach into the Father. But it's okay, because there's one who's in between the Father and us. And he's our mediator. And he stands there, and he stands in our place. And he says, receive these people, Father, for I've clothed them in my righteousness. I've wiped them clean with my blood. Their sins are taken as far as from the east is to the west. That's what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. What Christ has done. And that is what keeps and guards and keeps our mind from the spirit of the world. That's our only remedy from the spirit of the world. Paul said it this way in Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is that? Some kind of get in a corner and burn incense and sit in an Indian style and look up and say, hey, just chant something? No. It's the renewing of your mind. That implies a power higher than your mind. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the power that takes us from self and translates us to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of Christ in which He is in the midst of. Ruling, reigning, handing out, blessing. Everything from the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, Paul's already told us. It hadn't entered into our mind or our eye or anything like that. We're dependent upon what? The Spirit of God. To reveal to us the mind of Christ, which we're told here in 16. That's how he sums up all this. But we have the mind of Christ. And what, what, a, what, what a victory that is. The world has this mind. It's the mind of man. It's the mind of the world. And as they go and they kill each other and they, they step on each other and they stab each other in the back and, they, and then all of a sudden they die and they go to hell. That's for anybody outside of Christ. That's the, that's the way of life. You say, well, that paints a horrible picture. I said, well, you know, there, there's other people that have spent their whole life and they spent everything in their life service to man and denied Christ. What is their eternal resting place? I don't know if I'd call it a resting place, but it's hell. But God, for those who are in Christ Jesus, you and I profess to be, we're here today. We're here and we, we, we desire the spirit of truth to tell us if we're in that number. We desire the spirit of truth who will not lie. Am I one of Christ's? You know the things of Christ. Only you know what Christ has done for me. Reveal it to me. That's, that's our remedy. That's it. A power greater than us. And praise be to God, He's faithful, as I've said thousands of times. But we don't know. I mean, the freely given, he, He's freely given us a sound mind. That's what Paul said. We have power, we have sound mind, we have love. That's what God's given us. I need that revealed to me on a daily basis. Because I, hey, I can be in those conversations every day, and I'm going to nod my head yes. When I'm being told, oh, things are getting so much worse, things are worse than they've ever been, I'm sitting over there going, yes, <laughs> they certainly seem to be. But in my heart, my depravity is the same. That wickedness that's out there in the world, it's the same wickedness that's always been. And there's one Lord. There's one Lord over that wickedness. One Lord who's the remedy to all of it. Sound mind. Gives us, shows us what repentance is, gives us the gifts, gives us joy, happiness in Christ, the gentleness, the righteousness, reveals what that robe is and how far superior it is to any of the rags that we put on ourselves every day, the righteousnesses that we build up. That's what Isaiah said. All my righteousnesses. So all those things that we do that we think are adding to us or makes us feel better about self. Nothing should ever make you feel better about self. The Holy Spirit reveals to us Christ in us. That's where joy is. That's where true joy is. Because your, your, your thoughts are translated to the one who's worthy. And if by His grace He saved you from that life... That salvation is what the child of God proclaims in his soul and his heart. 
and in the speech. Oh, the redemption that's in Christ. His finished work, His wisdom, all, all of this. This is what He's freely, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. And then as I said, when we get to 13, the very first things, He hits us right there. It's not that we just know them, dear ones. We speak them. We speak them to one another. Now, I know that you've spoke them out there in the world, and they were trampled on, and they were thrown back in your face, and they were spit upon, because that's not where they're for. These things that we speak, we speak their soul language. Who's going to understand soul language? Someone whose soul has been worked by the Holy Spirit. Someone who understands the work of Christ in the soul. That's what we see. We speak these things. The things, these things also we speak. But there's a qualifying statement to what we speak. Paul said in Philippians 3.20, he said, For our conversation is in heaven. It's a heavenly conversation. For whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that tells me that my conversation, the focus of it, is heavenly. Well, who's in heaven reigning for me today? Lord Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what that conversation is. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1.15, But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So that conversation has a holiness to it because of Christ's holiness. That's, that's what we speak to one another. And there's not, and Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that gospel. I'm not ashamed to speak about what Christ has done. But as I said, the rest of this text, there's some qualifying words there. You can't speak the things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you of God, that God has done for you, that Christ has done for you, you can't speak them in the words which man's wisdom teaches. You know what that means? You can't learn them in a school. You can't learn them from another man. You can mimic those things. You can mimic what the preacher says. You can take it home and say, oh, well, those words are my words. But the Holy Spirit comes. And reveals what's yours. And what's man's. And when we speak the, in the terminology of man. Like most religion does today. There's that cooperation in it. Do you hear those things? Get away from them. It's not going to end well for your soul. You're going to walk out of there so burdened. When all you can hear from people. And all they can say is how they cooperated with God, or I did this, and God did this, and I did that. It's just disheartening to you. You know why it's disheartening to you? Because the Lord hadn't proved himself that way in your life. He's proved to be the power. He's proved to be the I am. He's proved that everything is in him, and he is to receive all glory. That's the things that we speak. which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. In verse 6 and 7, if you just look over there, that tells us Paul already talked about what man's wisdom teaches. Look at it. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, 
yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, those that are in high authority. We don't mimic what they say that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. That's what we talked about earlier. It's a mystery. The gospel is a mystery that's revealed that Jesus Christ looked up to his father and said, I'm so thankful that you've only revealed this unto babes. You've revealed your truth unto these people. One people, the church. I have to ask this question. If the Lord hasn't revealed it to the rest of the world, what good is it going to be for you to throw your pearls to the world? I know sometimes we don't know. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. It'll, come, it'll become re- resident to you. It'll become knowledgeable to you who you're talking to just by their conversation. The Holy Spirit teaches this. This is what he says in 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. That same Spirit of God, that same Spirit of Christ, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Don't miss that. We're not comparing spiritual things with what's going on in the world. We're not comparing spiritual things with things that uh, that man has to say. The Holy Spirit compares what Christ has done to what Christ has done in your soul. That's what he reveals to us. He reveals to us his presence, what he's done, who he is. And then we're told in 14, the natural man. Now that's not just the natural man that's outside of Christ. That's the old nature that's in us. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. The old man never receives what the Spirit of God has for the new man. That warfare will always be in the child of God. One is not going to reform the other. doesn't happen. But the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. And I know you've all partaken in that as I have. That's just foolish you to say that. What do you mean, election? What do you mean God has a number that he purposed his son to die for? Never heard such things foolishness that's that's crazy is it what is the holy spirit compared with spiritual things in your soul has he told you that's true the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them he can't know the truth of them because they're spiritually discerned I know I've said this to Steph sometimes. We, we, uh, we get mesmerized sometimes by things we see on TV or people out in the world. We hear words that we don't hear readily like grace and uh, mercy or uh, the grace of God or the power of God. And we perk up. You know, our ears are like, whoa. You know, we, don't want to, we don't hear that much. Then sometimes you, you continue to listen to what they have to say and you say, well, it must be something they heard because it isn't something they know. And that's the difference. The people of God know because the Holy Spirit's revealed to them what it is, who He is. But the people, the natural man, He doesn't know. 
they're spiritually discerned. Meaning they're of the Spirit. The Spirit reveals them. If he has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But he that is spiritual, that is of the Spirit, who is being instructed by the Spirit, that's one who is spiritual. That's not something we just walk around and tell, oh, well, I'm spiritual. That means I know everything. It means I can stand every Anything I hear, I can judge spiritually. Jesus, he would have never told us to judge according. He said, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Why would that be important if spiritual man could always judge righteous judgment? Because he can't. In the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, absolutely, always, 100%. But not that Spirit of man. Not that Spirit of the world. Can't do it. He that is spiritual of the Spirit, he judges all things. And then I love this part. I'm glad Paul put this part in there. Because it tells us something. It it makes me think. It it makes me think, well, how much do I care what man thinks about me? He himself is judged of no man. You know what that means? Judged in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God. It doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what man has to say about it. It doesn't matter that he calls... The truth, foolishness, doesn't matter. He himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? That word may means shall. It's the Greek word for shall. Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he shall instruct him? Job asked that question. Paul asked that question. David asked that question. It's a question that the children of God have for the world. How can you, world, judge my Lord? How can you judge a sovereign when no spirituality, you have no spirituality to do it? It's been hidden from you. My Lord Jesus Christ says it's been hidden. How can the world or any man lay judgment against God? Who's known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And then those golden words at the end. We have, but we have, but, alternate, we have the mind of Christ. And he's, oh, what is the mind of Christ? That's what we just spent the whole day speaking about. It's what the Holy Spirit reveals to us what Christ has done. It's what the Holy Spirit reveals to us Christ's finished work. It's how the Holy Spirit reveals to us Christ Himself. As a person, as the third person of the Trinity, as God, as the one who opens the storehouses for His children. We have the mind of Christ. So I hope this morning, listen, I would be a fool if I stood up here and I told you that everything's good in a child of God's life. Ultimately it is. That's what Romans 8 tells us. But we all set, we all have problems and we all suffer many things in this, this. And Paul tells us today that one of the big reasons of that is because of the spirit of the world. He hadn't given us that. He's given us of his spirit to reveal to us what he has done. That's the mind of Christ. May he put that upon us now 
May he keep that upon us as we walk from this place today. All for the glory of him. For he truly is worthy. Dear Heavenly Father, most gracious Lord, add thy power and thy clarity. Search our hearts, O Lord. Reveal to us the mind of Christ as only thou can. To thee be all glory. In Jesus' name I pray.